I came here to offer my allegiance. I came because I trusted him. So why does he make me think I should not? Edith sighed. Maybe, Sophos, because he is an idiot. She shook her head. He sent me to ask if you will negotiate a surrender. I cannot speak for him otherwise, but Sophos, I know he is your friend. So he sends you to ask me to forgive him? Edith was silent. Eugenides did not expect to be forgiven. Can we just skip to the part where Helen and Sophos get engaged, please? Welcome back, you poor excuses for royal heirs. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to get you through the wait for Return of the Thief. It's September 20th, 2020. Today we're talking about chapter 13 of Conspiracy of Kings, and this is the chapter where you really realize that this book is going to be emotionally muddy. As emotionally muddy, if not more so than Queen of Atolia. And I feel like it's more out in the open in this book. Like the emotions are kind of hidden for, well, okay, not like, you know, the PTSD agony, that's not hidden in Queen of Atolia, but like the love you find out later, but like... You know, there's more. I don't know. I feel like there's more surface. You know what? I'm reevaluating. I'm changing my mind. Never mind. You know, well, I, no, I think you're right. Because I don't know. I think you you really see the way that Sophos is struggling with this in yeah. this book, and it's 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 less palatable. It's more difficult to accept as a reader because he has so much less freedom of choice. Like, Eugenides, Mm. he loses so much in attaining his goal, but he chose to do that. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like we're more in Sophos' brain in this book, whereas Jen in Queen of Tully isn't a viewpoint character as much. Yeah, we'd already pulled back from him more. So it feels like we're a lot closer to whatever emotions we have here. The thief sort of has a twin in Thickest Thieves in that it's a it's a quest narrative. Uh, it has sort of this happy ending where the goals it's are met. And I think that, person. That the Queen of Atolia has a twin in this book. Because it's all about compromise. And war, kind yeah. of. King of Atolia, there's no war at all. Almost. Like, you get a sentence or two saying it's still going on, but that's that's it. But Queen of Atolia and Conspiracy of Kings are the same war. It's just Queen of Atolia is the beginning, and this is the end of it. Yeah. Which is kind of wild that it feels like it just kind of paused <laughs> for King of Atolia. We took a break so that we could do some emotional development, hang out in the palace, drink some wine... And this chapter is largely about what's going on between Helen and Sophos. Even as it's also about what's going on between Sophos and Jen. Because mm-hmm. all of that can't really be teased apart anymore. Like, it's yeah. all interrelated. We learn that um, an unfinished letter to Helen was stolen from Sophos's desk and delivered to his uncle. His uncle intercepted Edith's next letter and then had a shouting match with the Magus and Sophos's father that resulted in, we learned in chapter one, Sophos being sent away to Letnos 
away from the Magus's influence, which I think we can say, we can infer from that. The Magus saw this marriage proposal, whatever, and said, Edis is on board with this, let's get those two married. And probably Sophus's uncle and father were like, no, let's marry the actual king of Sunus to Edis. And nobody thought to yell at Sophos about it, it seems. Fingers crossed. They just yelled amongst Maybe. themselves. Yeah. Which I guess just kind of shows, you know, how little his father and uncle at least thought of him as, like, relevant in this. Yeah. Like, even this is his most personal life. and <laughs> Yeah. Also, can you imagine... I think someone pointed out on Tumblr last week, and I saw this, that um, it would have looked to Helen like Sophos had just ghosted her and just, like, hadn't replied to her oh, letter about terrible. the proposal. But he just never got it. So and sad. And he went missing. Yeah. He could have been dead. And two pages into this chapter, it's revealed they've been holding hands this whole time. Oh. <laughs> they were newsflash. They've been <gasps> holding hands the entire time. <laughs> There is some romantic stuff in this chapter. Like, they're very, Mm. oh, we're being very practical and we can't all of us be throwing ink pots like Jen and Irene. (laughs) We're the the down-to-earth ones. But, oh, man, when he says, were I a king in more than just name, it would be all, all I dreamed of. I love the detail of that all, comma, all. That repeated all is just like... Yeah, it's just very opera, very, you know, that's just what I picture when I read this line. It's like someone, some actor on a stage being very emotional, but he means it. It's not acting. Mm -hmm. But they have to consider, is he going to succeed politically and and what's going on with Atolia and what's the situation with the Medes? All -hmm. of that affects when they're going to get married and if they're going to get married. Yeah. And it sounds like from this... At the very end, Edis asks, you wish to wait then until you were confirmed as soon as, I guess implying, you know, wait to get married or engaged. Uh, and he says yes. So I take from that that he would have no problem hypothetically joining Sunus and Edis at this point. Mm-hmm. Once he's confirmed. I want to keep that in mind for later. Does he know at this point that her entire country is due to go kaput no no so that's why i'm i'm just a little bit puzzled because at the end you know he's so against joining their two countries because he knows that now that sunus is part of atolia technically that would also make edis part of sunus and part of atolia subject to jen but doesn't he already know that at the end of this chapter if he's just agreed in this chapter to negotiate a surrender, ally with Atolia, and be under Atolia's control, whatever, doesn't he know that even after he's confirmed with Sunus, if he's going to marry Edis, it's going to unite the two countries, right? So, like, I don't understand. Why, yeah. why, why would there be no, like, oh, we can't have Edis subjugated also in this chapter, but it does come up at the very end, like... I don't see anything that's changed between now and then. Like he hasn't thought of it. The situation. Yeah. And like it seems, it seems very important to him that 
in order to marry her, he has to be king of something. Right. <laughs> like, he, he knows that he wants to, um, like, he, he can't come with nothing. Mm. Um, but also, he, like, the fact that he is king of a country means that he comes with all of the baggage of that place and its relationships. And Edith comes as Jen's messenger in this yeah, chapter, which, which is I think very is really interesting. I was yeah, I was gonna say it's very like what's that word? <laughs> I'm, my brain is giving me the word double-handed, but I'm sure that's not it. Underhanded. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's not double-handed because um, he knows Sophos isn't gonna say no to Helen about anything. Yeah, and like she's willing to act in this capacity mm -hmm. she goes and she sort of tricks him into talking to her about this honestly and we talk about how wrenching it is that sophos loses in this way and has to accept it but like helen has already gone through that but like so privately like she's in the process of losing everything and just trying to rearrange what she's going to be left with into something she can work with. If she Oh wait, you mean like with the volcano? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Alright. Because it is it is ultimately advantageous of for her for the three countries to unite. I mean for many reasons, but particularly because there's this oncoming disaster. Mm -hmm. But like she's I mean, there's so much about the public and the private. Like, she's dealing with this very privately. And she's sort of the only character whose conflict is really uh, happening very internally. Like, so internally mm. that we barely see it. We just know it's there. Yeah. There was something else I didn't understand in this chapter. Um, Sopho says, Sunus could not yield to Atolia, but I believe I can yield to Eugenides as the king of Atolia and still be Sunus and still hold my country. We can unite against a far greater danger. But, like, is he talking about the old Sunus and Atolia as the person? Because if not, I don't understand how that's any different than him yielding to Eugenides. Like, I don't understand the distinction he's trying to make. I think that, in a practical sense, it's not very different, but it makes a big difference to him. So, is he trying to frame it like, one country can't yield to another, but I'm a person, and I'm this other person's friend, so I, as a person, can yield to this other person. And still be a king and have the country, but like, like, in the abstract, Sunus yielding to Atolia would mean that Sunus would cease to exist. Like, and that would be untenable for Sunus, meaning Sophos, king of Sunus. But because he has this relationship, it doesn't have to happen quite like that. He can retain some dignity. Because that's the, I mean, that's the thing he's trying to achieve is... That Sunus becomes like essentially a vassal state, but it still exists, and he's still the king. Yeah, and then it's not all Atolia wins and Sunus loses everything. Even though, like, 
if Ben and Irene wanted it that way or if Sophos resisted, it would happen that way. Like Eugenides mm-hmm. wants to make it very clear that he's going to take it whether Sunus wants him to or not. So you had better just give it. Which is just, it's painful. Like that's all that they can achieve like out of their great love you know it says eugenides did not expect to be forgiven and you know sophos is making such a big deal out of you know this is a distant unfriendly political thing to do and then as we know jen just stays distant for a while so my question for you is like does this Eugenides did not expect to be forgiven and all this distance. Does this mean like Jen was just assuming that they can't be friends after this? So he wasn't even going to try? Like the political can't be personal anymore because he's had to do this political uh, tick move? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So he's just, he doesn't want to try to be friends again and be rejected. Do you think that's what's up here? Yeah, and I think Jen, like, he wouldn't assume that he had the right to be forgiven. Like, I think Jen is is projecting his own feelings of uh, self-hatred. Like, he knows Mm -hmm. that this is what he has to do, but he feels like he wouldn't forgive himself. Like, if he were, if he were Sophos, would he forgive Jen? And I think Jen's answer might be no. And I think he underestimates how strongly attached to him Sophos is. Yeah. Especially since now that Jen has more power than Sophos politically and personally, if he did try to be friends again with Sophos and Sophos didn't want that, Sophos might not feel at ease saying no to that because Jen has the power in that relationship. Yeah. I mean, so I think he might that's... not believe it was genuine. Yeah, exactly. That's the source of increased if, discomfort. If it started if overtures started from Jen, Jen might not be able to believe that Sophos was sincere. I think it's interesting that Jen um, sort of misjudges the depth of Sophos's feelings so uh, extremely because he he's generally so perceptive and he he works hard to cultivate loyalty in particular people and i mean i think maybe that i mean they haven't seen each other in a long time it's a big factor and jen like jen was a different person and like he's changed so much and he doesn't believe that uh like sophos will still feel that he is Jen. But also, I think I think there's an aspect of you can be as perceptive as the day is long for other people, but when it's the people that are really close to you, sometimes that fails. You know? Yeah, good point. But Sophos is very clear here and says, I believe I know him, all evidence to the contrary, and that if he is a Tolis, he is also my friend Jen. Do you think there's any symbolism in... Helen and Sophos both having broken noses. Hmm. I like the idea. I'm so interested in the idea of Sophos and Helen as these mirror people yeah. to 
Jen and Irene, they're reference points for each other. Irene compares herself to Helen, and Helen compares herself to Irene, and Sophos is always thinking, oh, I fall short compared to Jen, and what would Jen do? And we don't know what Jen is thinking, but I think Jen may be thinking along the same lines, and they're kind of like, everybody assumes that everybody else is doing it right. <laughs> yeah. And I see a connection there between, like, you know, you could maybe say Jen put love first in marrying Jolio because he loved her and then thinking about the pol the politics. But in this chapter, Sophus is saying the exact opposite, that I don't, I would have to question my own feelings if I dragged you into so poor a match because I don't think I lovely, love you that much that I'm going to do something that's, like, bad for you. And Edith says, you know, this would be great if this was a play and... You know, you would thrown off your chains of bondage solely for love of me, but that's not real life. Which is, I feel, not how Jenna and Irene would be handling this if the political situations were reversed. <laughs> Two other things I noticed about the politics in this chapter is, Sofo says, when he's explaining, like, this is what I thought would happen, he says, I thought Sunus would be free, only allied as a tributary of Atolia, much as Melens is allied with Feria, which is interesting because it shows us that we have precedent for this type of political alliance, mm -hmm. or, you know, semi-takeover, vassal state, whatever. But interestingly, he says, I could sell half my country to Melens to get its protection, but that would only delay the Medes, not turn them back. But he thinks that if he goes with Atolia, and it's Atolia, Edis, and Sunus together against the Medes, they're going to win where Sunus and Melens don't stand a chance together against the Medes. Which I just thought was interesting. Especially since it's it would then be Sunus, Melens, and Feria, I guess, from that Melens-Feria connection. Possibly. Yeah, they always talk about the continent like it has yeah. all this military power. We know they talk about the continent having its own political agenda and like the continent doesn't want the Medes taking over either, whatever. But it's interesting that Sophos thinks that against the Medes, Sunus doesn't have a chance unless he allies with Edis and Atolia. Melens would still just be dooming his country, but a little bit slower. Yeah, the, the characters do seem to have quite a bit of faith that if... Edis, Sunus, and Atolia manage to unite that they will be successful. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. October 6, 2020. <laughs> There's still threats from within. Do you want to wrap up? Because my instinct right now is to start talking about Thickest Thieves. Uh, yes. <laughs> I am a little bit disappointed Return of the Thief is going to come out before we get to Thickest Thieves. Because I feel like it's going to change our perspective on it so much. I know. I know. Ugh. Probably in a good way. That's chapter 13. <laughs> and next time we get a myth about goats. Send us your comments, questions, and thoughts. Chime in at italianarchives.tumblr.com.
Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available.